Welcome to the IoT podcast powered by Paratus People. Be among the first to find out what's happening in the fascinating and growing world of IoT from the industry leaders themselves. Hello and welcome to the IoT podcast. My name is Beth Law and I am the production manager of the podcast. Uh, You might be wondering why I'm here and not Tom. Well, today's episode is a pretty special one. We're celebrating Girls in ICT Day coming this Thursday, April 22nd, which is going to be the day that we are uploading this episode. And my guest today is Nicole Thorpe from Coltonova. So, Nicole, welcome. Hi, hi Beth, thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. Special day. (laughs) how are you doing i'm fine thank you i'm very well how are you good yeah i'm good good a little bit nervous to be stepping into tom's shoes but (laughs) i think i'll i'll be okay hopefully as long as it's not contagious that's fine (laughs) (laughs) so nicole um i did a little bit of research into what you do but um tell me tell me what you do with coltonova and and where you where you kind of stand in the community okay um yeah sure um well, I'm co-founder and director of Coltinova, um, which is in essence an IoT company, so Internet of Things technology provider, that's our core business. And we've specialized in um, monitoring control and data technologies, digital solutions for controlled environment agriculture. So now I've thrown out lots of, <laughs> lots of technical terms already, which I probably need to explain a little bit. Um, <laughs> So controlled environment agriculture is basically um, you know, what it says on the tin. So we, um, we produce food indoors, so that can be in greenhouses or you know, in, in vertical farms, so completely closed systems without any daylight. And um, what we do at Coltinova is we, um, you know, we basically provide the sensors and the, the data gathering technologies and the data analysis and management technologies to understand the um, interaction between the plants and the environment that they're grown in, to um, improve and optimize the environment such that we can kind of mimic nature indoors and give the plant exactly what it needs um, at any given point in the growth cycle. Um, but we also look to um, towards um, um, optimizing processes in in the actual growing operations. So um, you know, not not just the the environment, but we're also look looking to use data to optimize processes in indoor growing to make it more sustainable, more energy efficient, and um, yeah, better for the environment to uh, produce healthier food for all of us. Ah, okay. See, that's not too hard to understand. I was worried that it would be quite technical. And obviously, Tom is Tom is usually the one that he knows his stuff. Um, I just sit there and edit it. But <laughs> but no, that's actually quite easy to understand. So when I was looking into the company, um, there was a phrase that came up, um, urban agriculture, which kind yeah. of struck me a little bit because I've never heard of urban agriculture. Um, you don't sort of think of those two words together because you think agriculture is all fields and it's not really an urban thing. So um, what actually is it and um, what, what does it do? How does it create this sustainable community? That's a very good question, a very big question. Um, actually, <laughs> urban agriculture is actually when you, when you think back of why our cities were created in the first place, you know, we kind of settled around where you know we had our resources where we could where we could grow food and where we could trade um and as cities have grown we've kind of moved our food production sort of to the urban realm and further and further and uh, further away from where we live which has obviously resulted in longer longer transports and longer supply chains and um 
So urban agriculture is, again, what it says on the tin. It's, uh, you know, producing food in an urban setting or even peri-urban setting. Um, and it takes all sorts of shapes and sizes. So when I think of urban agriculture, I envisage rooftop greenhouses, for example. I, um, mm. I, I think of, I think of uh, community gardens. I think of community-supported agriculture whereby um, citizens and, and communities take on ownership of you know, plots of land. Um, so, but at the same time, you know, our cities will grow and we all know that cities grow significantly. And uh, right now, I think it's already 50% of the global population already reside in cities. And it's, wow. going, to be, it's going to be up to, I think, 70% by, um, was, it, was it 2030? You know, it's, it's oh, wow, going to that's be, growing don't, fast. Don't, don't, don't hold me on these figures, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a significant amount of people who are going to live in metropolitan areas. So we need to find a way of feeding, feeding these cities and feeding um, and doing so in a sustainable way. And, um, you know, with all the, the pressure towards net zero and, you know, trying to, trying to mitigate climate change, you know, we've got to find a way of producing more locally. And I think we all noticed that last year in March, you know, mm. when we went to the supermarket and uh, during lockdown number one, and we realized um, that there were plenty of empty supermarket shelves and all of a sudden things weren't, you know, kind of almost drummed it home to all of us that, you know, our supply chains are quite complex and that we're not, uh, you know, we need to, we need to make sure that we uh, find a way of producing more locally. And I think that combined with, uh, with changing consumer demands towards more sustainably grown and also locally grown food, shortening supply chains to make sure that the carbon footprint is reduced um, are all things that, that um, speak for urban agriculture. So producing food, again, back to where we used to, you know, back, back in the cities. So this is what I do. This is where I come from. And I've always worked on the intersection between urban agriculture and urban greening. You know, I'm quite passionate about, you know, cities and, and, and the challenges that they face um, in the future and in the light of climate change and and um, you know, I'm, I'm personally driven to make somehow make a contribution towards um, making cities a better place and producing healthy and nutritious food for 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 us, the communities, and our children. I think is uh, is a good thing, and that's that's what I get up for in the morning. Yeah, and hopefully, with the pandemic and everything, people have kind of, like you said, woken up to the fact that yeah. there is. An, a huge need for this in cities everywhere i mean i know that my family my um my mum she started growing vegetables at home because she was like i can't get it anywhere <laughs> <laughs> so she started growing it in our garden so i think people are starting to wake up to it which yeah, is great definitely definitely and it's it's actually it's actually amazing there's quite a lot of research into the social effects of um of urban gardening as well of, uh, you know the as you mentioned you know your mum your mum's now taking an interest <laughs> in, in growing her own food and and I'm sure that that wasn't just because she couldn't buy the food in the supermarket. It was something. It was something to do. And if you share that yes. then with other people, you know, it kind of gives you a sense of well-being, and it's, it's actually proven to have mental health um, benefits as well. Which I think during during lockdown we uh, we could all do with uh, a bit of mental stimulation as well. So uh, yeah, it's 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 got multiple benefits, and it's a really exciting um, area. Obviously, it takes different varying degrees of technology so um where my 
my company is basically at home is in, in either semi-controlled or totally controlled environments which have a commercial application so it's less so, so the community supported agriculture side of things but more the sort of like intensive farming indoors let's say so moving 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 um almost like commercial production indoors to make sure that you know the food is safe healthy and you know we can't we don't have to rely on seasons which is something that obviously you know by moving production indoors we uh, we become independent of weather especially if it's in a completely enclosed environment but uh, there are I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend there are not any challenges left left <laughs> in controlled environment agriculture so um it's not the be all and end all and uh, this is where IoT has got uh, huge 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 potential in my mind so how can we use iot to kind of build on this again good question <laughs> <laughs> um well we've we've i guess we've recognized that well firstly i think there's a need to um to mimic nature indoors so you know and you can't manage what you don't measure so mm -hmm. you need to you need to put monitoring and data gathering things in place in order to be able to control the environment as well. So you need like almost like a baseline data and you need to know what uh, what the plant needs. So you also need clever people who know who think like a plant and who know what the plant needs at any given point. Um, so that's that that in itself is a very complex issue. Um, and the technology to me is just there to support that clever knowledge and to inform um, inform the um, decisions towards you know better better yields um, better resource efficiency you know less less usage of fertilizer for example of water um, in an indoor environment you can you can always you can all also make do without complete completely without pesticide use you know that's that's another really attractive thing but obviously you need to you need to measure everything and uh, you know IOT does exactly that it connects it connects different measurement points. It um, connects different sensors. It connects machines, but, but for us, it, always, it also uh, connects um, connects people to machines as well. So that that to us is also important to recognise that there might be some, you know, external data sources. It doesn't always have to come from a machine. So it doesn't have to be machine to machine. It can can be human to machine, and you know, this this complex web of uh, web of interactions and. Um, and if you also there are multiple benefits towards um you know gathering the data because not only do you gain an insight into the complex interactions between plant plant and environment you know you can for example you can gauge um and learn of the uh, the the impacts that different lighting strategies for example have you know different different wavelengths that you deliver to to the plants can have different effects on the plant growth, even on the uh, effect, uh, can even affect the secondary metabolites. So like, things like vitamins or taste or, you know, certain certain contents that you would like to stimulate um, during the growth process. And by measuring all of these things, recording it and, you know, revisiting the data and analyzing the data, you obviously gain, gain an insight. Um, you learn from past, past data and, you know, you can predict begin to predict the future so this is really really exciting stuff and it also helps with uh, the optimization on a holistic scale as well you know not just the as i mentioned earlier not just the growth process but also looking looking at the business side of things you know it's got to make financial sense as well so it's gathering the data i guess the challenge will be to make make um, the data digestible and not 
kind of end up in this big data big data lake that you then <laughs> drown in um so this is this is something that uh, that is important and should be something that we need to need to bear in mind in the future yeah definitely i mean i know that if i were to look at all that data i wouldn't have a clue what i was looking at <laughs> <laughs> not at all so um obviously today is girls in ict day yeah. so happy girls in ict day yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're celebrating this of course because this is quite a male-dominated industry um mm. tech in general ict everything it's kind of a little bit male-dominated um but we as women obviously we have stories to tell too um so i wanted to kind of ask um how have you noticed a difference in the treatment of of girls and women in the industry whether that be positive or negative i'd say yes i I have seen a difference and luckily it's positive. Oh, um, good. I see, I see more, <laughs> I see more and more um, girls interested in it. And I think this, um, you know, I, I'm not obviously not of the generation that grew up with, uh, with the internet and, you know, with, with, uh, with sort of the internet of things technology, but my kids, my kids have. And uh, I think the, the attitude towards technology is, is a different one nowadays. Um, you yeah. know, across across gender anyway, so um, I think yeah, I think I think there is a positive move. Having said that, though, I recently went through my LinkedIn contacts in the industry and or industries, so I don't just come from an ICT, so so like tech industry, but also come even like the smaller niche, which is the ag tech industry, and. It's quite shocking. I think less than ten percent of my contacts were actually female, so wow. that led me to uh, to actually set up my own together with a friend of mine to set up a like small informal get together of women in the industry, um, just to kind of you know sit down with a with a glass of something, uh, you know, sort of a happy hour kind of thing, and just just chat and give give uh, give opportunity to kind of you know be amongst women and just just have a chat. So. Yeah, I think that is tremendously important to um, to have um, peer support. So, you know, women supporting women. And it's something that's very dear to me and break down these barriers and silo thinking of, you know, men should be doing this and girls should be doing that. I think that's so yes. antiquated and, uh, and it's not going to be helpful for the future. But I think this is where COVID has made a, another, well, another area where COVID has had a massive impact is, um, remote working. So I think employers have woken up to the fact that they can actually have quite productive um, workforce, you know, even if they're sat at home and working from home, which also obviously um, has challenges, but benefits for, for combining the work life balance, which let's face it, being a woman, you know, that's, is important for men as well. But you know, it tends to be, you know, especially if you have small children, um, tends to be you know, heavily he tends to require heavy, um, let's say, involvement by the mother. And if, yeah. if she can then combine work and life through remote working, then so the technology is there. So I think I think it's going to improve, but we need to um, need to start early. I think the earlier we can start getting getting girls interested in 
in IT and making sure that they realize it's not just all about coding. I couldn't, I couldn't code personally to save my life. Me neither. <laughs> I, I have people who do that for me. So I, I, don't, I didn't even study engineering, you know, but I work for an I, I, I set up an, or co-founded an IT company. So, you know, you don't, you don't have to come from the industry, but you don't also, don't be shy if you, if you want to get into it, you know, just because, you know, it might not be the traditional role um, you know, this is something that we need to break down. Let's let's break down these silos and antiquated thinking. Yeah, definitely. So um, that this group that you is this um, I noticed on your LinkedIn that you were part of a group called Women in Food and Agriculture yeah. Community. Is that the group that you met up with? Uh, no, it's actually something that I set up recently, like two days ago. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Um, no, we had we had our first first meetup, which was only basically um, close friends because it was like kind of like tipping tipping toes in, in water, and we just kind of wanted to know, you know, is there a need out there? Do people want to do it? And um, and round two now we call ourselves Spark Ladies Hour because we want to spark ideas, we want to spark um, ah. new new ways of thinking, and um, yeah. we're completely brand new, so there is no no trace, no digital trace of our. <laughs> But we just recognize that, that it's important to kind of, you know, listen to women, give, give, them, give them a stage. And like, as you said, women have got stories to tell as well. And they, they tend to be very interesting. So um, we're, we're mm. running actually on, well, today, this evening on, uh, on, on Thursday, we're running the, um, our first, first session um, Pecha Kucha style. So where we're asking people to just give a, Give a short presentation, just just showing pictures, which will be interesting. So that yeah. just get like in sort of not the standard standard um, sort of presentation and talk format, but just very quick fire. You know, tell us your story in a few few seconds and a few minutes. And uh, oh, that don't sounds hard. Text. So it's it's, it's going to be mega hard, yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm dreading it because. <laughs> I came up with the idea and I'm going to have to go first, but unfortunately it's not webcast because we want to keep it quite, quite as sort of, you know, informal, but, you know, just a, just a chat, um, chat situation, but who knows, you know, this may grow. Um, I know there are plenty of, uh, plenty of initiatives out there trying to connect the industry. So if any of you listeners are girls in IT or interested in, in, in getting into IT, please feel free to reach out and, uh, yeah, see if we can if we can get you on board. Yeah, that would Including be great. Including yourself, of course, Beth, because we're <laughs> we're trying we're trying to uh, you know have also adopt this like not linear networking approach where we always um, remain in our fish in the same pond. Um, we'd like to have cross networks as well, so try and learn from other industries, try and learn from one another. And, yeah, that um, sounds great have like a critical critical friend sometimes I think you know that especially if you're young and you have a startup idea you know it's to me it would have been invaluable to have have a group of well ideally women because I probably would have been less shy (laughs) but but, you know a group of a group of people there who um, you know I could pitch to and they give me give me genuine feedback you know especially if they come from the industry and uh, I think well. I think it's a good idea, and that's probably because I'm biased because it came from came from myself and my friend. But it's uh, it's 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 a trial, so we'll see we'll yeah. see how it pans out and see whether it's uh, how well received it is. And I keep no, I think it's a great idea too. I really do. I think that's fantastic. 
So um, the Women in Food and Agriculture Community Group, what's that kind of about? To be honest with you, I didn't I didn't set it up, so I don't know. I, I can only I can only assume and make assumptions on, on, on what, what the background was, which I think was also the recognition that there is a gender gap uh, in in the agricultural sector still that is still very male dominated. And don't get me wrong, I like men, so you know, <laughs> we're, not, we're not trying to not trying to uh, say say that you know men men women are better, but it's. Joking apart, we need we need to give uh, we need to give girls um, and and women a stage and and also you know a voice and this is this is something that I find very important and I think I came to realise this when I I, re I was researching for a, a grant application because I was trying to um, explore how we could how we could use our technology so IoT in in helping um, young female farmers in Africa you know, to to improve improve their farming, um, so improve their productivity, but also use it for training. And this is where I realized the still very pervasive gender gap in African agri agriculture, you know, and how how this is really a massively important sector for the for the continent and, and uh, yet it's still so male dominated. And my thinking was that by empowering these young women um, to firstly make a living, you know, giving them also the entrepreneurial training that they require. Um, we kind of managed, or I managed to make a contribution towards lifting, lifting some of them out of poverty because they, you know, they, they have a means, means of, of income and, and, you know, tend to, women tend to, there are studies on this, so this isn't my assumption. Um, women tend to, um, spend their some of their money on or a large proportion of money on nutrition you know yeah. give, making sure that their kids get a healthy diet so it also has a, a knock-on effect as well so education and outreach activity has always been important to me so this is probably why i've set up um this network and yeah the women in agriculture thing i think is also stems from that that um recognition that there is there is still a need to um, to to tell women that this isn't you know this might be an attractive sector and this is where controlled environment agriculture I think can have another pull factor uh, for young people in general because it is it can be quite high tech or it tends to be very high tech and it has all of these converging sectors um, and requires so many different skills that I think it's it's a really interesting. Um, yeah, career opportunity that people should explore, but that means yeah. they need to be exposed to it. So that's why I think what you do with these podcasts is, is a brilliant opportunity because it gives it gives um, you know people from all walks of life the opportunity to listen to a wide variety of IoT professionals and just kind of understand you know where where all the different applications are. Definitely. Thank you so much for saying that. That's so sweet. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> So um, I actually found a, I can never say this word, statistic, there you go. I found a statistic um, online, not sure just how accurate it is, but okay. um, so 65% of children entering primary school today will have jobs that don't yet exist. Um, so right. it kind of seems that as tech evolves, so do the roles um, that will become available to up and coming generations. So in that case, how do you think you could make IT 
attractive to younger people, specifically girls, um, and get more young girls involved in it? I think by breaking down the fear factor, maybe maybe that's one thing. Um, and also, like like I said about the coding, you know, I, IT isn't just about coding. You know, you can have many different angles. Um, you know, it encompasses all sorts of uh, STEM related STEM related um, factors. In terms of what would I do, I would I would give them hands on experience. I'd make sure that they, um, I would say, go out there and, and then try and try and get a broad overview of what's out there and I would I would encourage companies to um, offer open days and and and, and uh, you know invite invite young girls and uh, and boys I don't just want to be too exclusive but uh, you know that we're talking about girls here today so invite them invite them um, just to come in to ask questions um, just be approachable and uh, this is this is what I think is information and um you know feeding feeding their imagination as well because if that statistic is true i mean 65 percent that's that's a significant proportion I know. So, it's huge you know, if you, yeah it's huge but then it also shows that there's huge potential for you know new ideas new innovation new business models new technologies so exciting times definitely and uh, we definitely need some all the clever brains that we can get um, male or female, whatever age. So this is this is what we need. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like you were saying earlier, obviously, I think it's probably from maybe my generation and below that we've kind of started growing up with technology um, and advancing so quickly. So for example, my nephew, he's 16. Um, I'm 24. So the difference just between our generations is crazy in what I've grown up with and what he's grown up with. Um, so I think that's probably helping, you know, shift more yeah, young people so. into technology. I think so, definitely. But I think it's, I'm a firm believer in exposing people to what's out there, you know, just kind of like, like as I said, you know, in order to feed your imagination, you need inspiration and you, the more inspiration you can get, um, the better. So again, openness, dialogue, you know, there's. We need to we need to we need to start talking amongst each other you know women amongst women women amongst men young old you know different generations it's that's hugely important and this is why i think networks are hugely um powerful really so nowadays it's so easy to just find somebody on linkedin reach out to them and if you've got a good story to tell most people tend to uh, tend to be open to uh, to speaking to you so don't be shy just you know reach out and uh, try you know the worst that worst that can happen is that somebody ignores you but you've you've tried so yeah exactly exactly so okay well that's that's perfect um so nicole where can our where can our listeners find you on social media uh, you can find me mainly on linkedin that's my main uh, main channel um we have we also have the the company also has a, um, a LinkedIn channel, but most of it tends to be done through my hat. <laughs> um, and yeah, we have we're also on Instagram, um, but that's 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 early days. So the main main channel is uh, main channel is LinkedIn. But yeah, please feel free to just reach out with any comments, questions, feedback, you know, whatever. Um, I'm always happy to connect, always happy to connect people and um, yeah. 
Fantastic. And mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us today, Nicole. Yeah, thank, thank you. It's, it's been, been great. A, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Anytime. Absolutely. Yeah, we'd love to have you back sometime. It's been great. Thank great. you so much. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> And you can find us on LinkedIn and Twitter as the IoT Podcast. Uh, make sure you drop by, give us a follow and stay up to date with the latest conversations in IoT. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for more episodes in the IoT Podcast, the leading podcast among the IoT community.